There is a rule in my house. I don't allow wusses to live in my house. Now, whether that term offends you or not is <laughs> not my problem because the term does not offend me because the term describes exactly what I want it to describe. You don't get to act like you're too weak. You don't get to live in fear. You don't get to blame anybody else for your issues. You don't get to act like you can't talk to anybody about what is going on. I don't allow wusses. You can talk to my kids and they will say, no, if we act like a wuss, <laughs> mom is all over us. <laughs> yes, mom is because I don't do wusses. That does not work for me. Okay, why am I telling you this? Because I have a lot of people who are super excited about this question and answer period. They love my answers, but they're afraid to ask their questions. So you're in my podcast house. Come on, people, stop living in fear. Ask me your questions. It isn't going to kill you, I promise. So big shout out thanks to the non-wusses who aren't afraid to ask me their questions. And one of the questions that I got asked this week it was, I, I had to chuckle at it. It was kind of funny. I was asked, uh, does this take effort for you to do this? And I'm just like, uh, yes. I am not chit-chatting. I'm not your friend. We're not hanging out just talking about the weather or other things that might pop up. And... I said, I, I realize that my mind is my tool, but just because my mind is my tool doesn't mean I'm not using it the same and becoming tired because I always have to pull from it. Uh, it's kind of like asking a construction worker if they come home hot and sweaty every day because they were out in the sun working really hard. Um, and I have had physical jobs. This is a mental job. And we use our minds like we use our bodies when we are in a physical job. So yeah, it takes a lot out of me, which is why I have a hard time doing this job if I'm sick, if I haven't had a lot of sleep, or if I'm struggling with a migraine or other issues. Because I have to pull from all of my mental and emotional resources. To, and the more I can pull from it, the better I can help my clients. So question asked and answered. Thank you to the person who wasn't afraid to engage with me. All right, we have been talking about all the things that need to happen in triage to get you ready to have a balanced life. Now, we've even talked about what it looks like to have a balanced life. I talked to you about the bike wheel and when you're not balanced, you're riding. Remember that discussion we had together? Uh, so we are now finally to the point where we can start discussing each one of the spokes, all right? Yay. Now. I'm going to list the spokes and I'm going to give a brief definition of what each spoke entails. And then we're going to pick apart each spoke. And you'll see that living a balanced life is a lot more complicated than people think it is. It's not rocket science, but it's not simple. Okay? 
So there are nine spokes that I feel are necessary to live a balanced life. The first one is physical. How strong and healthy is your body? The second one is emotional. How emotionally healthy are you? Have you processed your emotions correctly? The third one is mental. What is your education? How well do you stimulate your brain and learn new things? The fourth is psychological. How healthy is your psyche? The fifth is social. Do you have a community? Do you participate in your community? The sixth one is spiritual. Do you believe in something bigger than yourself? Do you use that knowledge to rejuvenate? And please note that I did not say, are you religious? These two things are different. The seventh one is relational. Do you have healthy connections on every single level in your boundary levels? Do you have a healthy connection on every single one of those levels? The eighth is familial. Do you have a family? And the ninth is purpose. Do you know what your purpose is, how you can reach it, and how it helps you be strong? If you haven't yet had a chance to look at the video of me, I am five foot four and I weigh 100 pounds. Now, when I graduated from elementary school, I weighed 70 pounds. When I graduated from junior high school, I weighed 80 pounds. And when I graduated from high school, I weighed a whopping 90 pounds. Uh, this is not because I am anorexic. This is because I have a very small bone structure and a very high metabolism. Now, trust me, that all comes with a lot of people thinking that you're very, very lucky. However, if I lose two pounds under 97 pounds, I'm in the hospital because I just keep losing weight, right? When I go into being sick, it does not take very long for me to be completely depleted. There are a lot of things challenges that come along with being as small and thin as I am. Um, we, we're not going to get into the fact that there is sh thin shaming as much as there is fat shaming. I don't agree with any of it, but what I am going to get into is how to have a phys healthy physical spoke. Now, you guys have to understand that I was raised being body shamed all the time. I was never raised to, that I was never complimented about my appearance. I was never complimented about my endurance. I was never given the opportunity to prove to my family and friends that I could do everything physical that they could do. I didn't get the chance to prove my physical prowess until actually I got older and I could prove it to other people, strangers or coworkers and such. Uh, I was also the only girl. You've heard that before. I had four brothers and my parents had a very specific idea of the jobs that girls could not do. So I was not allowed to take the garbage out. 
I was not allowed to mow the lawn and I was not allowed to shovel the walks when it snowed. Now, don't ask me why those are things girls are not supposed to do. I never understood it. But those were the specific things that I was told as the girl in the family I was not allowed to do. The interesting thing is I was the one who taught my brothers how to work on their cars. I wasn't taught by my dad. I was taught by friends. Uh, I was also the one who taught my brothers how to backpack and hike and be rugged and outdoors. Um, I, I was the one who showed my brothers how to be boys a lot more than my dad did. I thought that was kind of ironically funny. Anyway, I have people who think that my physical stature is perfect and they work towards having it. And so you would think that that would make my physical spoke healthy. If everybody admires you physically, then isn't that what we are trying to achieve? So I guess it would be apropos to explain what a healthy physical spoke would entail. Uh, you can have body images that are emotionally based, not physically based. You can have uh, disorders that affect the body, but are emotionally based and not physically based. So a healthy physical spoke requires that you accept the prowess of your physical stature, that you use it to its fullest extent, and that you push it as far as you can push it in a healthy way. Meaning, if you are going on some endurance run, then make sure that you've got the water and the support team to be able to run the 100 miles. If you are going on a 50-mile backpack, make backpacking trip, make sure that you have enough food and gear for the 50 miles. You have to make sure that a healthy physical uh, stature is supported, but you can push yourself physically. I have done it many, many times. Okay, so if you looked at me, so and those of you who haven't seen me can picture what I just said, you would think that I never had anything bad happen to me physically. The fact is, I should have a drug addiction, I should have an eating disorder, and I should hate my body. Now, I always say don't shit on yourself, but... <laughs> Those are the things that I should have based on how I was raised. I'm going to give you a couple of stories from my past to give examples of this, all right? So I was a very particular eater. My family called me picky. The reason I say particular is because I had some texture issues and I liked things that tasted good to me. To me, rotten bananas don't taste good. So I don't want to eat them. So when I'm eating a rotten banana, and trust me, that's what my grandma gave us, I, I didn't like it. 
that's not being picky. <laughs> that's being particular. If you're going to feed me moldy food, I'm not going to like it. And that's not being picky. All right. So my dad, well, my parents had the rule that you had to try everything that was on the table and you had to finish everything on your plate. They would not let us be excused from the table if there was still food on our plate. I still to this day have an issue with fat on meat. I like meat just fine. I like it cooked well and I like it flavored. I don't like it dry. I don't like it burnt, but I don't like it raw. And I don't like a lot of fat and gristle. That texture really bothers me. So I would eat the meat and I would, let's say I, we were having pork chops for dinner. And I would cut out the middle part of the meat and I would leave everything else around the bone and I would ask to be excused. And my dad would say, you haven't finished all the food on your plate. And I'm like, yes, I did. And he's, he would take my plate and very dramatically, oh my word, you could have bought tickets, pop, uh, popped popcorn and made a show of it. He would cut something off of the bone and he would put it in his mouth and he would chew it and he would look at me and he said, that's meat. And he would go and he would do that for every single bite. Now, if he happened to get a bit of bone or a little piece of gristle in there that he couldn't just manage to chew and swallow, he'd pull it out and he'd show it to me and he'd say, that's not meat. And he'd put it on my plate. Uh, until this whole production was done and all I had left on my on my plate was this little pile of bone and gristle that my dad wasn't willing to eat and he would put my plate right back in front of me and he would say that's all that's not meat okay for my dad but not my taste for my taste I had eaten the meat that I wanted to eat so I got to the point where I didn't like eating meat around my family. I know, weird, right? Because I hated being made a production because I didn't want to eat fat or gristle. So there's one example of where it can be very unhealthy, even though I was eating the way that I should have been eating. Okay? The next example I'm going to give you. My family is a marathon running family. When my older brother was 11, he had started using drugs. My parents didn't know it, but they saw that he was drifting away from the family and they wanted to try and do something to stop that. So I was nine when my brother was 11 and I watched and we all kind of participated in this. My dad went to my brother and said, hey, you want to run a marathon with me? My brother's like, sure. So they would get up early in the morning and they would stretch and they would go for a short run. And most mornings we would get up with them and do that short run with them. Uh, then on Saturdays, they do their longer runs. And before a long run, they would carbo-load, and we would all join in on carbo-loading with them. And so on the night before the marathon, we 
all ate what my brother and dad had to eat and we got up early and we all stood at the finish line of the marathon and we supported this whole thing and it was a pretty cool event and we were really proud of my dad and my brother for having run the marathon like that. And so after the marathon, after this all happened, it was a few months later and I went to my dad and I said, I wanna run the marathon. And my dad said, okay. So we, st we started getting up early and we went on a few runs and my dad stopped. And I came and I said, how come we're not getting up and running? And my dad said, my knee really bothers me and I need to um, work it out. And I'm like, okay, I get that. So I would come and check back in periodically. How's your knee doing? It, oh, it's hard. I'm, I'm doing the stairs at work every day, but it's really hard. My knee's really sore. I just, I'm not getting it figured out. And the marathon came and the marathon went and... I didn't get to run it. So a year after that, my dad went to my brother who was uh, right under me and they trained for and ran the marathon. And we all participated and all thought it was really, really great. Um, so the brother after that, when my dad was training with him to run the marathon, my dad would get really, really winded, which wasn't a normal thing that would happen. So he went to the doctor, a rare event. Um, my parents actually didn't believe in going to the doctor, so uh, they really had to be dying if they were gonna go to the doctor. And the doctor told my dad that he had walking pneumonia. Now this was just a few weeks before the marathon. And everyone asked my dad, are you going to not run the marathon? And my dad said, I am not going to let something like walking pneumonia keep me from running the marathon. Apparently, a little knee problem, not as, you know, so much worse than walking pneumonia. Now, my dad did run the marathon that year. We were super worried. He came in a lot slower than he'd ever come in before. And we were all just hoping and praying the entire time that he would be okay and not collapse on the marathon route. Marathon route. And, and he did. He pa passed the finish line before the time ended. And so fast forward. And all of my brothers had run marathons with my dad. And all of my brothers, well, not all of my brothers, but several of my brothers had run marathons on their own. And they, my mom decided that she wanted a marathon wall. So she had my art brother uh, paint a mural of the marathon route on the wall. And then she went and she hung all the pictures and all the medals around the marathon route. And I was looking at this and I was walking through my parents' house one day and I noticed that I wasn't anywhere on the walls. And I came up and I said, why aren't I on the wall? And my mom said, what do you mean? And I said, well, the marathon wall, you've got everybody and their accomplishments and their achievements with the marathon wall, but I'm not on the wall. 
And my mom looked at me and she said, if you want to be on the wall, do something that warrants being on the wall. Now, you remember I said I tried to run the marathon. It wasn't me who didn't want to do it. It was my dad who put a stop to it. So it wasn't my fault I didn't run the marathon. I was too young to run it by myself, seriously. Uh, but I was being uh, ousted because I hadn't run the marathon. And nothing else I had done was on the same level of physical prowess as running the marathon, even though it was. All right. So you're looking at the fact that my family wanted to claim that we were a healthy physical family. We ate well, we exercised together, we took care of our physical bodies together, except that I was made fun of, I was pushed aside, I was left out, I was mocked and humiliated because of my physical self. So I should have a very, very negative physical spoke. And for a while I did. I really didn't look at my body as anything useful, pretty, nice. It was just there to do what I wanted it to do for me. But as I got older, I started looking at what a healthy physical spoke actually meant. And it meant doing things that I liked to do that made my body feel good. So I learned how to cook. I am actually a very good cook. There are people who have wanted to hire me as a professional chef. There are people who have wanted me to make recipe books because of meals that I have made. Um, my husband has never been one of those that wanted his mother's cooking over mine. In fact, he doesn't want anybody's cooking over mine. He prefers my cooking all the time. My girls love my cooking. I've ruined them. They tried to go to other places and they're like, this isn't very good, mom. I'm like, I know, eat it anyway. So <laughs> we have this problem where I'm a good cook and I understand food and I understand nutrition. And uh, we have some people who like to joke that the Bachman way is, see, this meal is healthy, easy, and cheap. Those are our three criteria, apparently. I get told all the time that I cook very fancy. I'm like, it's not fancy to me, but they say it's way fancier than I would do. I'm like, I like flavor. I like it to taste good. I don't like yucky food. I'm simply particular. I also don't exercise by running. I don't like lifting weights. I don't like the gym. I don't like using my body in that way. So here's an example. When I was um, done with my cancer, my body was wiped. And I wanted to get my physical strength and endurance back. But there was no way I was getting a gym membership and that was going to do anything productive. So I went and I tried out for a musical. I was in the Adams Family 
and I loved it. And we were on stage all the time singing and dancing. And I told them when I got the part, I said, look, I'm coming off of cancer here. So if I have to leave the stage to get some water, please be understanding of that. And, and they were, they were very understanding of that. There were a few times that they're like, are you dying? I'm like, no, I'm just pushing myself. And okay, don't die on us, please. I won't. So it's <laughs> that kind of concept. I learned to do what worked for me. And by the time we were performing, I could stay on stage, sing through the entire number that I was dancing through with only being a little winded. I thought that was huge progress because I could actually push myself physically. So I learned how to do things differently physically so that I enjoyed them and they were good at pushing my body, my endurance, my strength, so that they were healthy for me, not just me doing what everybody else wanted me to do. Now, I had a health teacher in high school who, in front of the class, called me anorexic, which, <laughs> that's not okay. Uh, you do not make a high school student who is trying to fit in and already doesn't stand up in front of the class and tell them that they have a personal disorder that is destroying their life. She was also the gym teacher. And in the gym class, you had to run and lift weights. I hate that. Now, I have played the cello uh, since I was 10. I have played the piano since I was seven. My fingers, my girls say, are like massively strong. They've never seen fingers as strong as mine. And I always had very defined biceps because I was this little girl carrying around this huge instrument and then playing it also. I bet you guys didn't know that playing a musical instrument takes as much out of a body as being a professional athlete. Yeah, that shocked me when I found that out too. I found that out in college from my uh, private teacher. She said, okay, you need to do a warm-up. I said, what for? And she's like, because you are about to work your body. And I said, no, I'm about to play my instrument. And she said, uh, so here's what the research has showed. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. So no wonder I'm in shape. Um, I got my six-pack, no joke, from laughing. I used to laugh all the time in college, and one day I was just looking at my stomach and there was a six pack there. I'm like, huh, cool. So you see, you don't have to do what everybody else does to look and be physically healthy. Now, back to this gym teacher. The reason I do it my way is because she went to my mom and told my mom, that if I would run and lift weights, I could put some weight on and become more physically healthy because she was really worried about me that I couldn't do anything. And I was also in dance at the time. I was in theater at the time. I played my cello at the time. I mean, come on, I was active, um, but not to her specifications. So we had to do these tests, uh, running tests and weightlift tests. Uh, the running test, you had to run a mile in X amount of time. 
So we went around and I started out running with a friend of mine, but she couldn't keep up with me. So I ran around at my pace and I ran the mile and I finished it in enough time. And I looked and my friend was over there really struggling. So I went over and I started running with her. I said, look, you and me, we're going to do this. And I kept her going and I ended up running the uh, two miles in under the time that you were supposed to be able to run the mile. Now, no, it wasn't a four minute mile. I am no track star, but I was a good runner before I didn't want to do it anymore. So the, I thought that this teacher would be really impressed because she claimed I couldn't run. She didn't care. She hadn't paid any attention. So then we get to our weightlift trials. I outlifted every single girl in the class. And again, she didn't care. Like, so who am I impressing here? I'm not impressing me because I don't like this stuff. And she could care less. She had just already decided that I wasn't physically healthy because I didn't look the way she wanted me to look. So I learned there that it meant doing what works for you and your body. If I'm going to buy a gym membership and never show up, am I getting physically healthy? No, I'm not. I'm sitting there beating myself up because I refuse to go to the gym and wasting a lot of money and energy in the process. I love to play racquetball. Um, I took racquetball classes in college and I have taught a lot of people to play racquetball. But racquetball isn't one of those activities that you get credit for. Well, that's fine with me because I hate basketball. Volleyball hurts like nobody's business. That big old ball slamming onto my thin little arms always bruised me up one side and down the other. I love horseback riding and I go horseback riding. Yeah, I've got bruises all over the place from it, but I love it. So it isn't the bruises that stops me from doing it. It's why I'm getting the bruises that stops me from doing it. So my family was a boating family. They loved to water ski. They bought the boat because my older brother loved to water ski. And so because he loved to water ski, we all loved to water ski. I did not love to water ski. We would go every single weekend. I would do one or two lengths of the lake and then I was done. I don't see the point. I'm just standing there on the water going, wow, super fun. But I love the water. So I got my family into open water kayaking and paddle boarding. We have run rivers. We have gone on lakes. I have open kayaked on the ocean. I love it. It is so much fun. I have taken out my girls when they were very young. I have taken out my granddaughter before she was even two. I love being on the water. I just love, I need purpose to it. I need serenity to it. I, I need to like what I'm doing. And I don't like high adrenaline gas fumes coming in my face. It's just not something I like. I also do a lot of hiking and backpacking. And 
we took our girls up backpacking, both of them, before they were a year old. We got pack llamas and we put the girls' gear and our gear on the llamas and then we put the girls on our backs and we packed up into the mountains and would hang out in the mountains. Now, the first year that we had our girls carry their own pack, we went to Point Reyes, which is just off the coast of San Francisco. And they packed in, it was five and a half miles in and five and a half miles out. My one daughter was about 10 so my other one was about eight and they packed in their own packs my youngest only had to have me carry her pack for about a mile they did a really great job and we camped on the beach for a week it was super fun now doesn't that stuff sound like so much more fun and physically healthy than going to the gym it does to me and that's how I feel about going to the gym. And that's why I do it the different ways. Now, there are people who like going to the gym, and I don't want to take anything away from that. I don't want to take anything away from the fact that it gives them a sense of purpose and physical healthiness. What I'm trying to show you is that there isn't just one way to be physically healthy. And I'm also trying to show you that if you're doing it for anybody else, you are not being physically healthy. You need to be doing it for you, for your reasons, your way. That is how your physical spoke is strong and healthy.